0: Welcome to the Growing in Christ podcast, where we are rooted in living water and growing closer to our purpose in Christ. I am your host, Shadora Foy. Now let's get growing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Growing in Christ podcast. I am your host, Shadora Foy. And today, uh, we will be getting into chapter one of the book of Job so um what i was thinking about the topic that i was thinking about um going through chapter one is how does the book of job relate to us personally um i just feel in my life that um, there have been times where i have gone through a Job moment so i don't know if you have felt that or if you have seen someone who you can say yeah they're probably going through a Job moment right now and also, I think sometimes as Christians in today's age, it's easy for us to maybe shy away from the Old Testament or to maybe like look at them as stories, but not necessarily connect them back to our life today. So I think it's very important to take a look back in the Old Testament and realize that it is still very much God's word and it's still very much relatable to us today. So... With that being said, I want to offer this moment to you all to grab your Bibles, grab pen and paper, pencils, highlighters, whatever you want to grab as we get into the Word of God. So again, we will be starting with the first chapter of Job, and we are going to start at verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each one um sorry, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was, when the days of feasting had run their course, that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning, and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. So I think this is a good stopping point. Um, I made some notes. So for verses four through five, we see how Job, or how it states how Job would send and sanctify uh, his children and rise early to offer burnt offerings to God on their behalf. And he did this regularly. And also, um, now as I'm going through it, I didn't write it in my notes, but I think it's a Really key point to note that uh, Job is offering these burnt offerings because he believes that his sons may have sinned in their hearts and uh, cursed God um, or have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And I just want you to hang on to that point because I now see how that's going to come up later in the chapter. But um, some notes that I also wrote is this applies to us because we are our brother's keeper. Um, We are to pray for others and to keep them before God when we think that they may be going down a wrong path. Not too long ago, um, I personally was crying about a situation, telling God how I thought that I was just a bad person or that I just really thought that I made a mistake. And I just thought that it was the worst mistake ever. I tend to like overdo it a lot. I tend to be like, "Oh my gosh, like I just made the biggest mistake of my life. Like, God, I'm not worthy anymore." And um God was just telling me how um that he remembered how I prayed for a boy that was crying in the dining hall here at my college and another boy that was riding a bike at night and I was like in a car and i had passed this deer in his bike when he the way he was riding he was coming towards a bike and i was like oh no god i pray for him i pray that he doesn't get spooked as he passes this deer and the reason why god brought this back to my remembrance is because when you pray and look out for others in their bad times god will remember you in your rough times um just like he did for job later in this book so we'll get to see that later so um So, yeah, the points that I think that we could take from verses four through five is just to remember to, like, keep people in our prayers, to always be mindful of them. Always take that second to pray for them. I mean, we see that Job rose early in the morning to provide burnt offerings to the Lord and to, like, basically cover the sins of his children. So, like, sometimes, like, you may do things that you don't want to do. You may, like, you may, like, be having a busy day, but just to like stop and say a quick prayer for someone or to stop and like pray to God and say, Lord, I pray that you keep this person or I pray that you'll cover this person when they're sad or when you think that like somebody has sinned, when you know that your maybe your friends like to go out and party and you just want to pray for them and pray that, you know, like God forgive them for whatever they do while they're out there. So definitely keeping that in mind. Um now we'll go back to verse six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and walking. Oh, I'm sorry. And from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So one of the notes that I made for verse eight is why would God ask this question? Um, I've read Job before. And like this is like one of the key points of like Job's story that just like sticks out to me. It's like, whoa, like God was just like, have you considered my servant, Job? Like kind of like putting your child in the lion's den, like, you know, like just saying, have you considered this one? And sometimes it makes us stop and think like why would God ask this question? Um, And so some notes that I put is, I believe that one reason why God asks this question is for us. It's for us today um, to see, um, the manifestation of this, uh, it was a way to set up the story. Just like in the garden of Eden, when God had also placed the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God always desires to give us a choice. He also desires to strengthen us in our faith. If reading verse eight ever scares you, always remember first Corinthians ten thirteen. God will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. This means that sometimes God may ask Satan, have you considered this one or this one? But know that God is not using you as a throwaway token or a toy to be borrowed and abused. Rather, God is using you to show no weapon formed against you shall prosper and that he will work all things together for the good of those who love him. We will get to see God's love play out more and more behind the scenes as we go through the book of Job. So just remembering that key point that Whenever you're going through trials and tribulations, whenever you're facing troubles that maybe, maybe God just acts Satan, have you considered this one? And it's not so that Satan can torment you. It's not because God's trying to get rid of you. It's just because God loves you and he wants to show his power and his glory through you. So, yeah. All right. And we will move on to verse nine. Um. Or, yeah, verse 9, sorry. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions, have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So... Verse 11 shows how Satan has a hypothesis that if God stretches out his hand and touches all that Job has, Job will surely curse God to his face. And we see in this verse that Satan feels this so strongly that my ver- my version has an exclamation point at the end of this. So like Satan is like yelling this, like he is so confident in this. He is like so firm in this, like he's like, screaming this to god and how this applies to us today is just like satan had a hypothesis for job satan has hypotheses for us too if you take away their job surely they won't praise you if you stir the pot a little surely they won't believe in you i hope this verse is an encouragement to you because it is a timely one for a situation that i'm going through Um, I have been going through a situation where um, I was going through a season where things seemed good. I had been praying for a while and God had just been blessing me. And it was blessing after blessing after blessing. And I was so grateful and I was so thankful and I felt so whole in my being. And then things started to go wrong and I was like, what's going on? And um, I feel like I was just living out the hypothesis of Satan, just like living out like, oh, if you do this in her life, surely she won't believe in you. Surely she won't trust you. She won't turn to you. She won't be as faithful as she was in the good times when you were blessing her. And I am grateful that. As I go through this situation, I can prove Satan wrong and um, prove his hypothesis wrong and just like show that I do have love for God in my heart. And just like so, you know, it's kind of like that verse, like we're grateful for the testing of our faith. Um, So remember when things start going wrong, that it just means that God has allowed Satan to test his hypothesis that is bound to fail. Um, Also, a side note that I wrote is Satan likes to use the word surely. Surely means with assurance or confidence. Satan's hypotheses for God's people are bound to fail. Therefore, whenever Satan feels assured or confident, you can be assured and confident that his plans will not come to fruition. So, just know if Satan says, surely, and he is so confident, he is so assured, that just means that, you know, you can definitely believe the total opposite of what he has to say. Um, so um, moving on to verse 12, and the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So verse 11 through 12. um, In verse 11, we see that Satan's proposal is that God reaches out his hand against Job. So that, that was his whole proposal. He was like, surely if you reach out your hand against Job and like touch all that he has, will curse you to your face. So this is a very important detail because Satan is deceitful even concerning the Lord. His proposal to God is that he should take away the things in which he has given Job. Although this is Satan's proposal, God tells Satan that all that Job has is in his power, only not his life. So even though Satan is telling God, you need to reach out your hand and take away all that Job has. God is like, I'll do you one better. You can do it. <laughs> like, So, um, and that's, that poses another question. Like, why is this important? Um. Just as Satan wants to tempt God himself to act out of character, he also wants to tempt us to act out of character. So the reason why God is like, no, (laughs) like if I gave these things to him, I gave it to him for a reason, like I am not going to ever. God is never going to harm us. He's never going to hurt us. He's never going to do things that are hurtful to our being you know that's not his goal that's not love and god is love so whenever you're going through a trial just know that that's not of god it's just god allowing satan to play out his hypothesis but the fact that satan is like trying to ask god to change his character, he doesn't say, his hypothesis isn't, oh, if you let me stir the pot, surely he will, you know, surely he will curse you to your face. No, it's if you let, if you um, touch all that he has, surely he will curse you to your face. So just remember that, like, if Satan is trying to be deceiving, even to God, like, he is definitely going to try to be deceiving to us as well. So, verse 13 states, Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabaeans raided them and took them away, indeed they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Um. Before we see how Job reacts to all this bad news, I want you to think for a second how would you react so you have all these people coming to tell you one horrible thing after another here comes the next person with or one horrible thing after another and then here comes the next person with more bad news think about the fear in each messenger's eyes as they speak of the events think of the urgency in their out of breath voices Maybe you have experienced a time when it seemed like you got bad news after bad news. Maybe just looking at local, national, or global news makes you feel like Job in this moment. When reading the Bible, it is good to stop and put yourself in their shoes or even see when you could relate. So this is like very tough and it's good to see like, oh my gosh, like, cause sometimes like, we take these Bible characters out of context. Like, I, I don't know if that's true for you, but sometimes I do. And I just think, oh, that's Job. Like, you know, I because I know how the story ends, I kind of have like a bias. But just think about how I would react if like this Job is like a real person getting real bad news, real bad things happening to him, real people coming up to him, telling him one horrible thing after another that is affecting his life all at once. Think about the thoughts that you're having. Think about like the sadness that fills you. If you can even comprehend the sadness, like if you can even comprehend what the person is saying, like one person, one messenger from another. So another thing that I want you to think about briefly is how it feels to be the messenger of bad news. We don't get to know who these messengers are, but think about how they felt telling, Ab- or telling Job, sorry, about these horrible events. Also imagine being the first messenger and then overhearing all the other horrible things that happened. The reason why I bring this point to your attention is because remember in verse five, when Job would offer burnt offerings to God on behalf of his children, well, that applies here because whenever you have been or may need to be the messenger of horrible news, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to pray on that person's behalf. More than likely, we're troubled to give bad news as much as we are to receive bad news. It's really no fun to tell somebody something really horrible that happened. I mean, A lot of these messengers are saying only I have survived to come and tell you this. So think about that. Think about like seeing this horrible thing happen and you're the only one left and you're rushing and running to tell somebody else this horrible news. Like, And then think about being the first messenger and you hear one thing after another. And sometimes um, I know later in the book, we'll see how Job's friends, the kind of Comfort, quote unquote, comfort that they try to give to him or the things that they say to him. Like, just think would you think, oh my gosh, this guy's got so many problems? Like, what did he do? Did he sin against God and now his world is crumbling? Or are you going to think, oh my gosh, like, let me pray for this poor man? Like, what is going to be your initial thoughts? Like, what are your initial thoughts when you see someone who is like, Going through troubling times, that just gets bad news after bad news after bad news. So I think that's a very key thing to think about. Now in verse 20, it tells us what Job actually does, which is very empowering. Um, Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there the lord gave and the lord has taken away blessed be the name of the lord and all this job did not sin nor charge god with wrong so job's response to all the bad news that he had received was to worship god that is so empowering that is a great example to us all as christians to know that when we are going through hard times when something challenging really happens to us is to worship God not to not to say well god you gave all this stuff to me and now you're taking away you're such an indian giver you're just you're so you're such a bad God. Like you're, you gave this stuff to me. I was being righteous. I was doing all the things right. And now you're doing this. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that. Like, no, not acting out of character, not, not, not cursing God, not telling God all these things that he shouldn't have done, but worshiping God. This applies to us by asking the question, how do we respond to bad news? Like, how do we respond when we are looking at local, national, or global news? Do we say, all hope is lost? Like, oh my gosh, it's it's so sad. Like, people are crazy nowadays. Like, there's no good in the world. Everything's just all bad. Everything's coming to an end. Do you feel filled with fear and sadness? Or do you just say, God, I thank you for waking me up today. I I give you glory for all the goodness that is in the world that is shining through all of the darkness that is happening. Like, what's your response? Do we worship God? Do we bless his name? Do we believe that his plan is never to harm us, rather to give us a future and a hope? Or do we feel like, God, I don't see a future in this. The and joke could have very well and like, oh my gosh, everything is gone. My life is over. I've definitely had moments where I feel like all hope is lost, like my life is over. But like turning to the Bible, I know that that's not God's plan for my life. God's plan is to give me a future, is to give me hope, is to give me life more abundantly. So just to remember those things. Um, In verse 22, we also find out that in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand what God is doing in our lives or even in the world. Sometimes we feel weak and our hope is fleeing from us and we want to please the flesh to make the time feel more bearable. But Job shows us that instead of searching for a good feeling when things are going wrong, instead of cursing God or losing faith in him, Just because we don't quite understand his plan, instead of falling prey to these unhelpful actions, we should worship God and bless his name. And it's only in that that we find peace and we find security and also that we can find the scriptures of God that cheer up our souls and that bless our hearts and that, you know, make us smile, make us joyful, make us happy, that just, you know, Makes us feel so much better and gives us a peace and a joy that this world could never bring. That stuff of this world could never bring, you know? So yes, so that is the first chapter of Job. Um, I hope to go through the whole book of Job. So hopefully chapter two of Job will be coming soon. And yeah, I thank you all for listening, and I appreciate you all for tuning in. I pray that all of your days are blessed and that you guys are just living blessed lives. Thank you. The growing does not stop here. You can find the Growing in Christ blog on our website that can be found in our bio. Not only does the Growing in Christ website house our blog, it also shows you where you can find us on our social media. Always remember Jeremiah 17, 7-8, for through this verse we know that if we keep on trusting in God, simultaneously we'll keep on growing in God.